Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. And I'm just going to put it out there that if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join us on Facebook as part of the Move the Ball community. All right. So today I've got a special guest with us. Inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Mr. Eric Cossaberry. Eric is a serial entrepreneur who launched his first franchise, Retro Fitness, in 2004. He has since grown his passion for health and well-being into a $150 million a year business. There are currently over 100 Retro Fitness clubs serving over 500,000 members in multiple states across the U.S. And something else that I wanted to share about Eric and that we will talk about in the show is that Eric has been on the show Undercover Boss. And we'll also talk about some of the new ventures that Eric is currently working on starting up. So without further ado, Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. As I was thinking about where we were going to start off our conversation, I initially was going to just dive right into the world of entrepreneurship. But then as I thought about it more, I wanted to kind of go in a different direction because as many of my listeners know, I had a defining moment in my life with my dad passing away, which really took me on a different path. I ended up quitting my corporate job, which I had loved, but realized that there was more I could do to leave a legacy and a contribution in the world. And so I left all that behind. And I know that one of the reasons why I connected with you and learning about your story was your mom had passed away when you were 15, I believe. And so I just wanted to talk about that for a minute and tell us about what that experience meant for you and how that shaped your future journey. It was an impactful point in my life, Jen. That's definitely a defining moment. I think you can resonate with that, as you just said. And there's probably people that are listening to this that may also have some kind of defining moment. It could be related to anything. It could be related to death as mine was, related to divorce or just something that just happens that is major change. For me, that was a really difficult time, but it shaped who I became as a person and also as a business person. I took a lot of value in health after that had happened. And my mom had passed away of melanoma and I was 16 when it happened. It wasn't something that she probably could have really prevented. But in the sense that part of it maybe could have been prevented if she just knew a little bit more about certain things. And I think of knowledge is power, especially in the health and wellness space. Unfortunately, back then, there wasn't as much information or accessibility to information as there is today. That being said, the path that I chose and the direction I went, it was very emotionally and passionately filled. I think that's what happens when someone you care about passes away. You, you get filled with a different type of emotion, a different kind of purpose. And I think you find your path because of that. And it's and you start to define it as you're defining yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like that. And for me, with my dad passing, I did a lot of reflection and thinking about kind of what was important in life, refocusing priorities. And I was a single parent of five kids when I decided to quit my high paying corporate job to go all in. But it's been an incredible journey. And had my dad not passed away the way he did, it was so very suddenly. I mean, basically, he was saying he was feeling great 
one hour, went to take a nap, and he had passed. So, I mean, there was no goodbyes. There was no forewarning. And so it really made me appreciate the value of each day and how we really spend each time. As cliche as that is, I mean, I really loved it. Like, I understood that tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And so it really made me think about what was important and where I wanted to go in my journey. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial path. So talk to us about what made you start Retro Fitness. You already talked about that you were focused on health and wellness. Why go the path of Retro Fitness? I actually started, my first gym was in 1997, 96, 97, we opened. And it was an off-brand licensed gym that we had done. And it was through operating that business that I had learned so much. And I, I call it geographic success. And often this can happen where you can make a lot of mistakes and still make money because you're just in the right place at the right time. And that's true for a lot of businesses. The difference was, is I chose to accelerate the benefit of all of that while I was making that money. Even though I was making those mistakes, we were creating a manual of sorts along the way. I was taking the losses and saying, what did I do here? And why did that happen? Or this marketing piece, what happened there? Or Okay, well, that certainly didn't work. Let's not do that again. And there was so many things that I started to measure. And data collection back then wasn't exactly easy. It wasn't what it is today. But I did it. And I did it in a very granular way. But doing it in a granular way gave me a very deep insight to who my customer was, to understanding who my member was, to understanding who I wanted to attract into my business and how I could service them properly. So as I grew and I scaled, I opened up a second gym and then a third gym. And it was a time of the third gym. All along the way, I was I was going to a lot of seminars. I was really big on self-education. I was a college dropout, so I didn't have a full formal education, but I loved learning. I liked learning the topics that I wanted to excel in. So I followed people like Zig Ziglar, and I did a lot of Anthony Robbins stuff. I did Robert Kiyosaki. There was just a collective group of awesome authors and speakers that I would just really get engaged with. And I have a library of Jim Collins, you name it. I mean, there's just so many books. I mean, in my library last night, I said to my wife, I'm like, if any of our kids really just want to know how to start a business, just tell them to stay in my library for a year and read everything. And then and if anything ever happens to me, just give them that advice and let them finish every book in there. And they'll be good enough to go and do something really great. Because I collected a really interesting library of books and how-to stuff. And then over the years, it evolved into helping me build business, but helping me build myself into a great entrepreneur. And I say that because it takes a lot to do what great entrepreneurs do. And I put the time in the well, if you will. And that continued discipline and practice of certain things, learning those things along the way was really, really helpful. But I loved fitness so much. And I knew that was an area that I was passionate about. And over the years, I had been recruited to do all kinds of things by all different kinds of different firms and companies and private equity firms. But my passion was in health and wellness. I was a crusader for health and wellness, and I still am today. So I figured, let me stay in, in this area because it gives me purpose. And I feel like I'm doing something beyond just building a business and making money. I was doing something that I knew. And I used to say this all the time. I never felt bad about a gym membership. I really pushed hard on someone because I knew they needed it. Whether they thought so or not, I knew they did. They would tell me things that I've heard hundreds of times and had thousands of experiences with other people that had great experiences after they took the product and used the service and did what they were supposed to do. And they came back and said, oh my gosh, this is great. My blood sugar came down and I'm no longer considered type 2 diabetes obese. Or, hey, I had high cholesterol. I'm lowered my cholesterol here. It looked like my blood pressure came down as well. There's so many great stories. You hear them. And then until someone has done that experience that, they don't have the story. So you have to kind of tell them the story. So I always knew that no matter how hard I would press someone to get involved in health and wellness, I would always lay my head on the pillow at night feeling really good about it. Because I knew that if they follow through, that they were going to benefit much more than I was. 
And that's kind of how I grew myself, I think, into a, a successful business and sexual entrepreneur because I had that genuine care for who my client and my customer was. Sure. You had a why, a passion, a purpose that you were driven by and you knew that it genuinely served a need and could help benefit people. And so, I mean, I think those are the successful businesses. It's not just about making a dollar. It's about really putting out products and services that can really better people and serve needs that people may have. And sometimes they don't necessarily appreciate how much they might need it. And so you just push them a little bit more. And once they do the service or go to the gym and see these benefits, then it's a win-win and things work out great for them as well. So talk to us about just that first year of being an entrepreneur. What did you learn? What advice would you give someone that might be listening that is either thinking about being an entrepreneur or that's on the road to it? What are some of the things you wish you might have known now or along your journey that you did not know when you first started out? This is a great question. I get it so often when I speak in different places. I will tell you that I wish I had just one question answer that I could just tell you because there are so many experiences that I had that I said, Golly, and I can give you a couple of funny examples. I always say that when I did my very first lease for my very first gym, I call it the $50,000 mistake. And $50,000 is, is a lot of money, but back then it was an enormous amount of money. And it was one word in our lease that wasn't existing. And it was when we were selling that business, we had to transfer the lease. And there's some language that usually talks about transferring your lease to another party. And, and the language is generally written that the landlord cannot unreasonably withhold the approval. Well, the word unreasonable wasn't in there. <laughs> so, so the landlord got out of reason. So we were stuck with a very interesting situation that because of a single word, it cost, we had to pay an additional $50,000 essentially to the landlord in a quote unquote transfer fee that didn't even exist to buy ourselves out of it. It was, it was such a crazy thing that was so costly. Then like, it made me so mad, but it was literally one word that was missing in the lease that you just don't know what you don't know. And we had an attorney. I always say when you start out, sometimes you use your sister's friend, brother's wife's cousin's aunt's attorney, who's a divorce attorney and you let him review your lease. No, go to a real estate attorney, use proper counsel. So I always tell people the best thing to do early in a business venture is align yourselves with the best of the professionals in the area of their expertise. Don't skimp on those areas ever. I mean, last night, you know, nine o'clock last night, I was on the phone with, I had a conference call. And again, late at night, it was a great accountant, a financial planner, tax person, and an attorney. But I spend a lot of time, still, even though, because we're launching another brand, launching the company, we had to do a structure thing. We had to make sure we had a, a hold co in place. Now, it gets really deep as you get into and growing and scaling. But even if you're just a single one unit hot dog stand, you need to have all of your proper counsel in place. And it's easy to go on LegalZoom and grab a document and do that. It might look like, hey, this is cheap for 99 bucks. I can get that. And LegalZoom is a great company, by the way. I'm not saying it's not, but I wouldn't say I would want to run my business through that kind of entity. I would want some real counsel where I can actually have someone that understands this particular industry, knows it really well, and get counsel that way. Same thing with your accountants as well as your legal advice. So I would tell you, get good advisors around you early and invest in that because that's going to protect you later. And one of my attorneys was now a dear friend. I remember we were walking down the street after lunch one day and he said to me, he goes, you got to remember, he calls me EC. That's what most of my friends call me. He goes, EC, he goes, as you grow and get bigger, the target on your back gets bigger along with it. 
He goes, that's just how it is. That's the world that I live in. And he's right. So you've got to protect yourself. You've got to keep yourself defended. Unfortunately, that's just, we live in a litigious universe. So that's just the way you got to be. So you've got to come out of the gate preparing yourself for that. So you don't have to worry about it later. And it costs more to do it twice, right? We always say that and talk about practice and, and athletes and stuff. Practice it once, get it right. And it doesn't hurt you later because you, it's always going to be longer to do it over. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the focus on the legal side too. As an attorney myself, I'm like, yes, yes, you get it. So absolutely, I think it's important to make sure you invest in qualified people that can help you in those areas of expertise that you don't have because it will protect you from potential lawsuits down the road or risks. And so that's an absolute important thing for people to know right away. Spend that money up front, get the qualified resources to make sure you're doing things the right way. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your experience on Undercover Boss. Talk to us about why did you want to be on the show and then what that experience was like for you? So this is such a fun story. My family, we were really big fans of the show. So I was on season four. So it started three seasons earlier. And we would watch it with my two oldest kids. So Carmela, Eric, and I, and my wife, Kim, we would watch this show. And the kids loved it. You know, they just did. And it was just a great show. And our PR firm had reached out to me and said, hey, we got a call. And this might be interesting for you. And I said, well, okay, what's it about? I remember it was right around... Valentine's Day, that that original call came in. And then the second call comes from the producer on Valentine's Day, which is a really funny story that this leads into. So they called me up and they said, Undercover Boss reached out to us, the people that are the production company for them. They said, you know, we do a lot of restaurants, we do a lot of food services. If you notice the first couple of seasons of that, it really is a lot of food services company and a couple of other random ones. He said, we want to get outside the box a little bit. Would Do you have any clients outside of like the food service business that might be a good candidate for this? And they said, oh, yeah, we've got a great because <laughs> they knew me and they knew my personality. At that point, I had already been on CNBC and I'd done Fox News and I'd done MSNBC a few times. I've been on a lot of the shows and they know that I don't shy away from that stuff. I enjoy it. They figured I would probably say yes. So they went ahead and they told them we got someone and they came back to me and said, hey, will you do it? I said, well, what does it entail? And I said, well, you're going to be on the road for 10 days and it's going to be weird. You're going to be out of pocket. And there were some rules and regulations around it. And when I saw the legal document, I was like, holy cow, there's a lot of rules and regulations around it because it's a great show. A lot of it is about the privacy of the show and keeping the integrity of the show, which is really impressive how they do that. There is nothing scripted there. It is truly what it is. It is real, just happening real time. And they want to make sure that you know that there is no accessibility to make that not be the case. So we all agreed to do it. And then I get a call from the production company. Chris calls me from the Lambert Studios and he goes, hey, nice to meet you. I want to introduce yourself. He's like, by the way, we were going to push you into the next season, but we decided that we want to put you on this season. You're going on next month into production on the road. Now, this is Valentine's Day. I was at my cousin's house with my wife and I got the call. And he says to me, he's like, stop shaving now. And hangs up. <laughs> like that was how the call ended. <laughs> so I had like a month to grow a beard, which was really funny. And they, they did such a great job. And when we started production, it's literally like living in a carnival. It was being a carny for 10 days. Like it's such a weird experience because you just go on the road and you just take like your stuff that you have with you. And they travel in literally in these caravans because you got all, it's amazing what they do when you think about it. It's all of these camera people, there's sound people, there's producers, there's assistants, and they're all just on the road. It's not just filmed in a studio. Every place they go becomes a studio. It's amazing how they actually pull it off. It really is. I mean, it's fascinating when I stepped back and looked at the production of it toward the end, which I started to do after I was realizing like, okay, we're getting toward the end of this. And it was interesting everywhere we went. And once you pick up from one location, you go to the next. So when you see the show, you are, you're only seeing 
what we call the cut version. So you're only seeing like three or four locations. I think most Undercover Boss episodes, either there's four locations they go to or three. And if it's three, usually if there's a good story on one location, and that was the case with our episode. And interestingly enough, we were the number two rated episode in that show, history. Only episode that ever beat us in ratings and views was episode one, season one, because they promoted wow. the hell out of it. Yeah, I always laugh about that. That's like a little joke that we have internally with everyone from Undercover Boss and other bosses I'm friends with. But it was a great experience. I mean, it was great for me personally. I missed my family. That was the big takeaway for me. I was like, wow, this is kind of weird being away from, from Kim and the kids. At that time, the two little ones were really young. So I've never been away that long. But it was great insights. I met some phenomenal people, people that aired, you saw on the show. And there was a group that you didn't see that were just as awesome. And then it was also great for the company, you know, great for exposure. People were like, wow, who is this group? Who is this company? And it still airs, right? And every time it airs, our website gets tremendous traffic from it. And I used to do the same thing. I would see a company, I'd go on their website and see what, you know, who they were, what they were about, where are they, what's their locations. But it was an interesting experience in every aspect, but I had some great takeaways. And I'm not sure if you're going to ask me that question. I was, yes, I was going to go there. So please go. (laughs) Yeah. And the takeaways were really that, you know, business is so granular, whether it's a franchise business, corporate structure business, whether you have one unit or a hundred units, it really comes down to people and who the people are and what they're doing every day and, and what matters in their life as well as your business life. So there's such an interwoven web of connectivity, especially in our business. We're a service business and we're a people's business in that business. So it really was very relatable, the relationships that are there and the authenticity of the show is just so amazing. And I had realized because you start to forget that the cameras are there very quickly because you're doing the job. You're worried about the task. I was always worried about blowing my cover and the, and the person across me was worried about what the storyline was because they tell them a fake story of why we're there. That's how it works. They give them another story like, hey, they're filming this for another show that's going to air on cable about winning a contest. That's the storyline, which was great. And then the takeaways come out of it. You're like, wow, this business is really so heavy relying on who, not what. And the what's important, but really it's the who. It's all about the relationships. But as well as you understand how granular business becomes at the day-to-day. And it's so important Disney calls it overmanaging. Most of us call it micromanaging. <laughs> but you know, you read any of the Disney books, you go to the Disney Institute, they'll tell you, we like to overmanage. And that's a polite way of saying, you really need to pay attention to all of those details because everything matters. How you smile, answer the phone, how you interact, how you follow up with your people, how you treat your people. Business isn't just dollars and cents, so much more. And it's emotional. It's EQ, not IQ. I mean, a lot of it is EQ. It's IQ when you're forming a business and creating, it's EQ after it's open. And you got to know that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we are all human beings. And so that human connection and treating people as people is very important. It's not just about the metrics, not just about the numbers. It's about connecting with your people and making sure that you understand who they are as people, their families, what they're going through, especially with what's gone on over the last year with COVID. The whole world is forced to adapt and adjust and have this new normal where people, kids are home all the time and you're on Zoom calls or Microsoft Teams or, or whatever. And it's just been a very different environment. So let me just ask you that question. How have things changed for you over the past year and what have you done to adjust and adapt because of what we've been going through? So for me, I think COVID was interesting. It was a great time, I think, to, like you said, focus on something a little bit different than what you normally did. It was kind of like a weird pause for the universe. <laughs> But for me, it raised a lot of attention for health and wellness. And I had already been moving toward the anti-aging space prior, about a year prior. So this is, you know, coming into year two, I've been working on the formulation of this new business that I'm launching. 
And I had spent a lot of time with some really incredible medical practitioners and functional medicine folks. And I started, I wouldn't say leaving the fitness groups that were out there, like all of these different conferences I would go to and all that. I started going to anti-aging conferences and functional medicine conferences and learning. And as we came into COVID, it put a huge spotlight on what they would already have been talking about in these cohorts is your immunity, your health, your wellness, your well-being, your taking care of yourself, your mental wellness, your physical health and wellness. And now COVID just put this enormous spotlight on it, the power of the sun spotlight on it. And I think for myself, it was encouraging because it was reinforcing the direction I was already moving in for my business, but also for my what I call my future customer, my future member, my future clients, because I felt like there was a need for this. It, it wasn't just for the rich and famous anymore to get an IV treatment or to get a red light bed done or to go into a hyperbaric chamber or all these other really cool and amazing things that athletes were doing or the rich and famous in Hollywood were doing for better skin or better muscle tone or you name it, all these things, inflammation management. This is now kind of becoming a little more mainstream and accessible. And I think what COVID did was it allowed for people to say, wow, I'm really vulnerable. My health is vulnerable. I don't do these things. I'm not taking care. I'm not taking certain, I didn't know that vitamin D3 was really important for how that specifically COVID affected you if you were in fact infected with it, that virus. So there are so many little things that became really popular through whether it was on a podcast or it was on an Instagram post or it was on CNBC because they're talking about it all the time. It got people to start paying attention to that. So the shift was an area that I was already really focused on, but it added value to that focus. And the amount of information that started to come from more people paying attention was wonderful. It was just, it was just fantastic. I think the positive outcome is that there is a better focus on your personal health and wellness, which also ties to fitness, by the way, because if you're exercising, that is a great antivirus. I mean, keeping your immunity up is an amazing, important thing to do. And exercise is one of the best ways, proven ways to do that. Absolutely. So let's segue. You mentioned your anti-aging business. So you're getting ready to launch these centers, uh, hopefully maybe June timeframe. Talk to us a little bit more about what all that entails. Yeah, we're building the first one right now. It's under construction. The new brand is Serotonin anti-aging centers. And serotonin is really cool because that's the feel-good molecule, right? That's the feel-good hormone in your body. So that's why I chose that for the brand. And it's really focused on so many different aspects for you. And I say you, anyone who's listening or anyone who learns about us, it could be a hormone issue that you might be dealing with and managing as we age. The population of decreasing in certain hormones is really, really important. So understanding bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is huge, huge right now and getting your arms around understanding that. And we kind of take you through that journey, as well as things like IV therapies, these infusions of great nutraceuticals that you need to have if you're not. I mean, there's so many studies about having high doses of certain nutrients in your body and why it builds your immunity up. And we're lacking in some areas and certain things. Don't. So we have some really amazing medical practitioners that are working for us that are going to put together some really cool protocols for solving all kinds of things. And weight loss, of course, and weight management and weight control is another aspect of the business model where it's medically guided. So we understand that sometimes people need some assistance beyond just, hey, eat this, eat that. It goes a little further than that. And we can kind of jumpstart. And then, of course, there's aesthetics component as well, because people who feel good, they want to look good generally. And looking good sometimes makes you feel good. So we have a whole aesthetics component to that. And whether it's like neurotoxins or what people most common people know is Botox and fillers, stuff like that. We also have other things like red light therapy that does really great things for collagen stimulation and inflammation. 
And then as well, we go into a whole area of concierge medicine too. So it, it kind of covers some other really cool things if you have a premium membership in that model. But the whole thing to understand is it's managing your health and giving you control back of your health and understanding and educating you on things to do and teaching. It's really more of educating our clients as well as giving them the solutions. It's not just giving them the fish, it's teaching them the fish. We want you to understand why you're doing this and how to do this and continue this journey because we have found that I saw in the fitness business, members would come in and they were working out. They're your top, your greatest members, the ones that come in five, six days a week. They'll work out for an hour minimum. They'll do everything a trainer would tell them to do. And they get to this place where they used to call it an exerciser-induced plateau, where they just kind of plateau out. And they're like, well, I'm not getting any results. Oh, they start to drift back a little bit. Like, oh, you know, I'm training just as hard. I'm eating what I'm supposed to be eating. And I'm doing, yeah, but you're aging. Unfortunately, right now, we don't qualify aging as a disease, but aging is a disease. It's a disease. It's the predecessor to so many things that we, cancers and heart disease. It is the predecessor to all of that. Aging is a disease. And until we qualify properly, you know, I'll be fighting that battle for the next 10 years, I'm sure, to make sure it does. But that is part of the crusade. It's understanding that you got to manage that. Just like you have to manage your fitness, now you have to manage your aging. And you're fighting a battle that is part of your DNA. You, you can't choose your parents. You can choose what you do during the day, but you can choose genetics. So let's work with that. So doing some really cool stuff on the gene side as well, understanding that's a cool testing to be helpful, to help get to the next level. Because until you figure that part out, you're just going to think, oh, exercise doesn't work anymore. No, it works. It's just if there's things happening, you at a biochemical level that we need to manage. And that's all. And once you figure that out, off to the races, you'll go again. And you'll see another improvement or another iteration of you. And you'll love it. Just like you did when you first started exercising. So there's so many really cool things we'll do. So just because you're 40, 50, or 60 doesn't mean you can't have a new iteration of your physical body. You certainly can. I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. At 46 years old, turning 47, I've iterated my body my daughter jokes around. She's like, Dad, she goes, I see you in like pictures. And it's like, you're on a time machine sometimes. She's like, you're wearing the same shirt from like five years ago. I'm like, I know it still fits. I'm going to wear it. I'm not throwing it away. It's kind of like one of those things where you can iterate. It's just because you're making these macro and micro changes in what you do every day. And that's part of what we're helping you do with Serotonin. It's going to be a really cool brand. Of course, I will franchise the brand right after we launch the first units. And because I want scale, I want more people to be touched. And it's kind of why people ask me all the time, why'd you franchise your gyms? Because I wanted to touch as many people as I possibly could. Yeah, there's a monetary benefit. Of course there was. But there's a huge risk. I mean, the amount of risk associated with that would not have been worth the monetary benefit. For me, it was more passion. I wanted people to experience fitness the way I had it. I want people to experience an anti-aging the way I'm designing it. Because I know that there is a benefit to that person on the other end. And that's really my goal in scale. It's not if, it's just when. I'm just pushing the when harder and faster. And I can hear the passion in your voice for health and wellness. And as you describe all these things that that you've done throughout your career and this new anti-aging center that you guys are launching, I too am very focused on health and wellness. And I've been very blessed to have good genes too. So I'm in my 40s, I'll be 43. People think I'm mid-20s. And for having five kids, you wouldn't think I have any kids. So I'm definitely blessed. I've worked to make sure that I take care of my mental health, my physical health, my wellness. I geek out on that stuff too. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And tell us, where will this first center be located? So the first unit will be in Florida. We're in the Orlando area. And I think it's going to, it'll be, well, I don't think this one will definitely be in Windermere, but we're going to have two and three right behind this one. We're starting in the Orlando area. We'll probably work through Florida early and then we'll start moving into some other states that I'm pretty familiar with. And we'll build a footprint there. 
New York, New Jersey is a great area. I know it well. It's just a fantastic area for me to grow again because I just understand the real estate there. So you have to know what you have to know. And then eventually we'll get all over the place with this, but we just know there's a handful of states right out of the gate that will probably be in earlier than later. Sure. And do you have a website where people can check out all the different services that you're going to offer once the center is up and running? Yeah. So serotoninsenders.com will be up and running. They're actually polishing all of the final drafts of it now. By the time this airs, maybe it will be up, but there's a placeholder now at serotoninsenders.com. The official launch of that website is probably not from another month from now. Okay. And we'll be sure to have that in the show notes too, so people can check it out and hopefully check out the center if they're in the Orlando, Florida area or down there for vacation or some other travels that can stop by. Also, another thing I wanted to talk with you about, so you're involved in a number of different things outside of the anti-aging center, including you're starting up a venture fund focused on health and wellness. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's another exciting venture that's happening simultaneously. So we've got a fund called the Lifespan Fund. And to qualify, you say, well, what does it invest in? It's finite in the sense that we only invest in things that improve the quality and quantity of lifespan. So that's really the initial benchmark of what we'll look at. It's all early stage stuff. I mean, there will be stuff that might be a little later stage, but because of our experience, my partners and I that are involved in this venture on early stage startups and incubator type environments, we have so much knowledge based on starting up a company, scaling, building teams, finding infrastructure that we know we're suitable investment partners for a lot of groups where we don't just bring a check. We bring a lot of knowledge as well as the check too. So it'll be great for our LPs and it'll be great for our companies that we invest into. We already are having some conversations early C because we see a lot. I see a lot of stuff. I get pinged all the time between LinkedIn or Instagram or any of my social media platforms. All the time I get inquiries about stuff that's used in investing in a company or this is a startup and I'm looking for capital or we're looking for direction, board members. So we see so much stuff. So I think this is going to be a wonderful venture. But again, it's along the lines of improving the quality and quantity of lifespan, which is I think there's so much opportunity if you understand that space. And if someone has a business that falls into that umbrella, what is the best way for them to reach out just to share what they're doing and see if there's a fit? For me, my contact's very simple. I have a website, ericcassibiri.com. You can ping through there or just my email is very simple too. It's just eric at ericcassibiri.com. Everyone finds me on social media. They usually find me on Instagram or they find me on LinkedIn. I've got pretty good base on both of those. And I spent some time in each of those platforms. So I generally am able to personally connect with most people. Perfect. And we'll have all those in the show notes too. So if somebody wants to reach out about an idea, they'll have your info there. So Eric, what I want to do now is I want to, as we look to close the show, transition to what I call my two-minute drill. And I'm just going to ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? Sure. All right. First one is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Oh, goodness. I would say a veterinarian. And I, <laughs> at least I remember that is because... <laughs> I always used to like, I I'd still love pets and animals and stuff, but I, I had a passion for animals back when I was little. I used to love them. And then I realized how much schooling it was. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> gotcha. How about my next question is who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, that's tough. I don't know. How do you answer that and not sound arrogant? I, I think <laughs> a lot of my kids' friends said that I remind them, especially when I get my haircut of John Cena. It's kind of a, a rolling joke, but I would probably say, I don't know. I mean, I think, I would want to play that role. There you go. That's a good answer. All right. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? I used to say Disney, but now I live here. So I would say we really enjoy going to the beach. That's a great spot. My wife and I really just enjoy it. We just spent Easter at the beach and we did one of our long walks up and down the shoreline. And, and it's just, it's a special place for us. The Jersey Shore? 
it always was a Jersey Shore. This Easter, though, it was down here. So we, we all those, most of my years, it was the Jersey Shore, yes. And we still have a tremendous love and affinity for that area. But this year, we have found a really nice love for the intercoastal area. So the west coast of Florida, it's really calming. It's different than the east coast beaches. Yes, it is. All right. How about uh, next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? And hopefully you still like ice cream, even though you're focused. Okay. I do. I have a sweet tooth. So I used to tell people, I used to work out so I could eat dessert. And secretly, I every so often, and my whole family will vouch for this. If I had to choose, it's mint chip hands down. But there's always anything that's created with peanut butter or something else. And I would always jump on. But if we're on the run, it's just mint chip. Got it. Okay. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? Although I've grown out of a lot of my pet peeves. I've changed. <laughs> I, I've learned to have patience now. I, I don't have a whole lot of pet peeves because I just, I think if someone's not reaching their potential, that would be the one that bothers me, especially if it's my kids. Like if someone's not living up and reaching their own potential, whether it was one of my children or an employee or someone around me, I would probably say that's what it is today. Sure. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense, especially for your kids, but also people around you when you see the potential they don't see in themselves or they're just not taking action on it. All right. Next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Oh my God. I wish I could just show you my desk right now because I've got one, <laughs> two, three, four, five books on my desk. I'm rereading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It's a 40-day book and it's a great book. If, if you haven't tried it, it's wonderful. It's a short time every morning or every evening. You, know, you choose when you want to do it, but The Purpose Driven Life is a great it's not just a book, it's an exercise. And it's a great exercise and anyone listening should definitely do it. I did it. I'm on my third time doing it. And I actually write when I did it. So I keep notes of the dates and I wrote, I re-signed the book. And I, I think the last time I did it was 2011 and I just started doing it again. And also on my desk is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I'm rereading that book. It's just a great book when you're starting a business, entrepreneurial speaking. And then Plan D by Mike Maddock. I met Mike through Tiger 21, a group that I'm a chair for. And Mike spoke at one of our events. And Plan D is a really cool book. It's about disruptors. Oh, I've not heard that book. I'll have to check that one out. All right. My next question, the last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Normal answer to that always out of the gate is I would want my mom there because <laughs> I'd love to have her at a dinner party. But if we're staying away from family and people we love, I always just say I would want Jesus there because I like that. I'd like to have that conversation. Steve Jobs, of course, because I profiled him as well, and probably Walt Disney. Yeah, that would be a good one. I mean, they've got that experience, customer focus, experience down packed for sure. Absolutely. Those are great choices. Well, lastly, as we look to close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Listen, this is a, a really cool podcast for, and just the name of it alone, because a former football player, I love it. But I will tell you that it's really important to move your ball forward to take care of you, right? I mean, in, in all aspects, your, your mental well-being, your physical well-being, and you have to spend time on you and focus on you. And you know, a lot of people, we get up in the morning and we start running into what we have to do. And it's just not how, and I've done that. I'm preaching from the seats as well. Like I've done that. I will tell you that take time for yourself, whether it's half hour in the morning, a great tool is the miracle morning. And that's by Hal Elrod. He's really great. His story is actually amazing too, by the way. I didn't know his whole story until recently, but The Miracle Morning has been out for a little while. I actually got The Miracle Morning college book for my daughter, Carmela. It's just a great tool, but you got to manage yourself. If you're owning a business, run a business, or you're starting a business, like you have all these tools that you want to use to manage, you got to manage you first. Put some disciplines in place for yourself and let that include self-awareness. Let it include mental awareness, of course, and self-awareness, but your physical health is so important. Nothing else happens unless you're feeling good and looking good for yourself. You can't perform for others if you're not performing for you. 
Absolutely. That's a great piece of advice. I mean, I just remember as I'm listening to you, when I was in my 20s, I thought that I could take on anything and I would take on everything because I just wanted to be busy and felt like I was doing so much. And I had a lot of coworkers tell me like, Jen, you're going to have a heart attack if you don't slow down. And I was like, no, no, I can do it all. Right. Go, go, go. Want to be Fortune 500 CEO was on the path. And now after my dad died that and I was always into health and fitness. I was a competitive athlete. But when my dad passed away after that, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be very intentional with what I spend my time on even more so and taking care of my health, not ignoring signs, like making sure that I'm okay first because you can't serve others well if you're not taking care of yourself first and you're at your best level. So thank you for that. That's it. Yeah. Really easy. So true. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a true pleasure having you on. Jen, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love to be able to storytell with people like yourself and keep doing what you're doing because it's awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's show. We will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.